Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Friday morning to you. Mike McNamara for a Friday edition of All Marine Radio. Right here on your home for it, the All Warrior Radio Network. Hope you're having a good morning so far on this Friday. The first Friday in October. Well, let me... It is the 8th, so that would mean it would be the second Friday in October. That's right. That's what happens when you know math, and there's seven days in a week. Mm-hmm. So, um, so good morning to you. My thought was to have the Mensa brothers on again today, and um, to talk about um, two investigations that were just released, and but. Um, not going to do that today. Um, as we went through the investigations, um, we need to do a little bit more digging so we can link things appropriately between the investigations. Because I will tell you this, um, I can't tell you how disturbed I am by the things that I've seen. Um, when you when you read one of the findings, the fact is the commanding officer of a United States naval warship did not believe he had the authority to restrict movement of Marines from shore to his ship. Um. That's straight up frightening. Straight up frightening. 
and um, like, what do you say? What do you say to that when somebody is fundamentally ignorant about their own profession? And then how the Navy threads this needle, um, how the Navy threads this needle to absolve that person from the responsibility of what happened is still beyond me. So what what is going to happen is we are... Um, <clears throat> I will, uh, we're going to sit down and go through that thing and we're going to make sure we have the, the, the things appropriately footnoted. And then we're going to tell you what we think of that investigation done by the Navy. Um, so, uh, we will, we'll get that wired together. And I would think Monday or probably Tuesday at the latest that you will hear that. And so, um, so working on that and then, um, and we will, take a look at what General Monday's findings of fact are. Um, that investigation um, that investigation to my knowledge has not been released. The link for uh, the link for the uh, the investigation the Navy did was included in the article that Gidget Fuentes wrote uh, that was in uh that was in USNI, um, USNI News. And so, um, so I would imagine the Marine Corps, right, at some point late this afternoon will release the Monday investigation. Maybe it's already released in, in the link. We simply haven't come across it yet. Um, if anybody know, has seen that, uh, if you would send it to me, if you know where it is, I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, and then we will have that. And th- then we will wire that into what we do as well. But, um, yeah, to say that this stuff is disturbing uh, is an understatement. And uh, and it's, it's extremely disturbing. So... Um, yeah, so that in the news today. The other thing that's in the news, and again, you know, it gets very old, but the Na- the Navy has a submarine, right? And what do subs do? They drive blind through the water. How does the United States Naval submarine collide with something, right? And so I don't care how much activity is in the water, right? That's what um, that's what submarines do. So so the Navy has an incident, and we'll take a look at this at it when we watch in the news. But so now we have submarines that are smashing into things. They have the most advanced sonars in the world on those things. A Seawolf fast attack submarine, the USS Connecticut, was damaged on October 2nd when it collided with something th- something while submerged in international waters in the, re- in, in the region of the South China Sea. Huh? <laughs> Come on. How does that happen? 
So, again, more bad news for the Navy. More bad news for the Navy. Navy. And, again, the Navy's still pending the Bon Armour Shard um, investigation. And now it's got another one. And God only knows how long that sub is going to be out of commission. Right? And the headlines are that it strikes an object. Right? Seeing objects in the dark is what submarines do. So, um, I'm, again, I don't know. I, I Again, you hate to... paint with too broad of a, uh, of a brush as you see these things, but the trend line continues of a service in decline. And that is the United States Navy. And so, I mean, the latest two installments of this investigation, and, and so, uh, as I said, we will go ahead and take a look at it. We'll compare it to other things, but... You know, the, the, simply the findings of fact. Some of them are stunning. Some of them are stunning. And then even more stunning is that, you know, nobody's going to face, quote-unquote, disciplinary action, which would be a court-martial, right? The commander of the Pacific Fleet said, reserves the right to take administrative action on the commanding officer of the ship, the tactical action officer of the ship, and somebody else. Um. Yeah, I don't know what. Yeah. So, what does that look like? A non-putative letter of caution warning you about you know substandard behavior when nine people are dead. I, I mean, I don't know how you thread the needle to let them off the hook to get to that. So, my head, you know, not dealing with it very well. It started yesterday afternoon, yesterday morning when I saw it. So, anyway, uh, good morning on that. Um, we'll, we'll check the news this morning, check some news headlines, and then uh, and that'll be it. Um, I thought I should do something on Friday because I hadn't been here for such a long period of time. So, anyway, um, yeah. Yeah, so Will and Tim and I got up early this morning, and we met. Uh, a couple hours ago, you know, and we started pouring through stuff. And then the more we poured through, I said, yeah, today's today's too soon. All right, let's take the weekend and we'll get our shit together. We'll get our asses and our brains wired together so we can do what we've done in the past, which is, right, here's what we know. This is what our experience tells us. Here's what we don't understand. And then, in this case, here's what is just wrong, okay? Here's what is absolutely wrong. And, and and you and you see a picture painted of the Somerset, you know, people don't know their jobs. And I compare and contrast that when I was a lieutenant, I got assigned to sea duty back in the day when Marines did that, right? And so we were aboard the USS Ranger, we guarded the nuclear weapons, and we protected the, you know, we were the physical security for the ship uh, in port. So we go to sea and... I've, I've talked about this stuff before, but there was intelligence that existed that said that the Iranians knew that the ship, the the self-defense systems of American warships, known as the Sea Whiz, um, the minimum they tracked an object to in terms of speed was 120 knots. 
So if you flew something slower than 120 knots, these weapons couldn't track you. So they could essentially, right, they could essentially um, you know, fly this thing right into the boat. Yeah. So we're still in San Diego and we put 50 cows out on the sponsons. We sandbag them. I think, no, I think we had, we got the sandbags in the Philippines on our way to the Indian Ocean. So we're out there and we're doing our ready X and we're off the coast of California, Southern California. We're probably west of Coronado doing, doing our stuff. And we're going to have, um, we're going to have boats come out and aggress us. They were seals. Right. They're going to come out in their fast boats and attack us. But much to their chagrin, right? It wasn't a very calm night and there's a little bit of wind, right? And it was, it was slow going for those seals because when the seas get heavy, those small boats, I don't care how good they are, they don't do so well. So anyway, um, I don't know what time it was. It's like 3.30 in the morning. And, um, the, um, and we're waiting to be attacked, right? Our radars are looking for these guys. And my my Marines say to me, so if you can imagine, we have sponsons, which is those little kind of uh, platforms below the flight deck that are glued to the side of the ship, right? They're actually welded, okay? But anyway, and they have, they have missile pods on them and things like that. So we put 50 cals on them, right? We weld the stands in, guns are out there, Marines are out there. So I want to say we had two, four, six, eight. We probably had nine or ten, you know, guns on the exterior of the ship. And so they're numbered starting on the the starboard side of the ship forward is number one. All right, that would be the right side of the ship forward for all you non-nautical types. All right, so one, two, three, four. Right, go down the starboard side of the ship, which is the right side of the ship, as you're facing forward. Five is on the bat on the aft end, right? Six, seven, eight, nine come up the left side of the ship. Right. So there's nine gun mounts, I think. So we're out there and guys on gun mount number three, who are on the they're a midship, right, on the on the starboard side of the ship on the right side. They report to me we're steaming south. Right, so they're on the Pacific Ocean side, right? Everybody else, as we're headed south, is on the San Diego side. They say, "Hey, sir, there's an oil tanker, right? That's that's going to cross our bow. You know, it's probably about I don't know four thousand meters off our, you know, at three o'clock, right? And we're going to cross paths with it. So I'm on the bridge, and I tell the I tell one of the junior officers of the deck. So there's the officer of the deck on a carrier, and they've got guys that work for them. So I, I grab one of them, and I said, hey, my Marines are telling me that there is a, there's a, a tanker on the, um, on the, on the you know, at about 4,000 meters. I said, are you guys tracking that? And it's going to cross our paths. And he looks at me and goes, we got it, Mac. Thank you. We're tracking it. Okay. So about 20 minutes later, my Marines back again. Hey, sir, 
They haven't adjusted our course. We haven't adjusted our course, and we're going to cross paths with it. So, like, now I'm an infantry officer on the bridge of an American warship, right? An American aircraft carrier, the USS Ranger, named after John Paul Jones's ship. And so now I'm going to, like, intrude intrude a second time. The first time was the question, now I'm going to intrude. Like, hey, hey, Lieutenant so-and-so. Yeah, Mac, what's up? Hey, you know that ship I told you? Yeah, we got it. I said, okay, you got it. And they're like, yes. I'm like, all right. I tell them, hey, they said they've got it. All right, thanks, sir. I don't know how many minutes later, 15 minutes later, right, all of a sudden the navigator walks out and he looks and he says, get the CO up. And the CO has an at-sea cabin, which is right off the bridge, okay? Stand by on the collision alarm, stand by to go to general quarters. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, right? The the CO of the ship was a captain by the name of Don Baird. I should look Don Baird up. Right, um, and find out what he's doing today. But Don Baird walks on. Um, he walks onto the bridge, tying his robe. Now I told Will the story. Um, yeah, here he is. He was the USS Ranger. He grew. He went to the rank of rear admiral. Don Baird, somebody on LinkedIn. CNIC. Anyway, I won't I won't bore you with um Don Baird. But anyway, he's he's walking out on the bridge from his at sea cabin at like three forty five in the morning, right? Just got woken up. He's tying his robe, and as he's tying his robe, he says, prepare to come to course, you know. Two nine or seven, stand by on the collision alarm, stand by to go to general quarters, right? <clears throat> and I'm just sitting there going, whoa, that's why he's in charge of this thing, right? And he says, sound general quarters, and we go to general quarters, whoop, whoop, and, and nobody's hearing what you normally hear. This is a drill, this is a drill. It's straight up general quarters, whoop, whoop, and trust me, that gets a little bit of giddy up in your step. And then he looks and he says, and just calm as calm could be. Right, sound the collision alarm, right? And when they we sound the collision alarm, and which means certain things for damage control and things like that. And just cool as can be, right? Come to this course, right? Do we have communications with that vessel? No, sir, we do not, right? Do we have eyes on the bridge? Yes, sir. Big eyes, guys say there's nobody on the bridge. So this tanker is on automatic pilot off the coast of Southern California, and um. And so, like they do in the middle of the sea, right? They put those things on automatic pilot, and hopefully there's somebody there, but a lot of times there isn't. And so we take the appropriate action. Now, in my mind's eye, I compare and contrast. Now, so the next day, I think it was the next day, I get called into the executive officer of the ship's um, uh, office. Now, you should have seen this thing. This thing was... Enormous, okay. And um, so this is at sea office. Uh, no, it's in port office. I mean, it's massive. He's the executive officer of the ship, and I, I I report. And it wasn't like I walked in, and my CO is is behind me, but I'm reporting to him in front of his desk. Right, you know, I come walking in. You know, 
you know, and I come to a position of attention in front of his desk, right? I say, sir, <clears throat> First Lieutenant McNamara, Executive Officer of the Marine Corps, Marine Detachment, reporting his orders, sir. And he doesn't tell me to stand at ease, right? He looks at me and he says this, why didn't you warn the officer of the deck that there was a tanker off our starboard side? And I said, sir, I warned, you know, Lieutenant Lynch, or I don't know who the, who the, who the junior officer today. I said, I, I spoke to him twice about that tanker, sir. Probably uh, 45 minutes before uh, general, we went to general quarters and then probably 20 minutes before we went to general quarters. And he just looked at me. He said, you did? I said, yes, sir. My Marines on sponsor number three, <clears throat> led by, I wish I could remember the names of the sergeant because he was good. Start with a W. Um, I said, no, they, 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 they warned me twice. And I, I, both times I spoke to the JOD who told me that, that I got it. Second time he told me emphatically that we have it. And I shut my yap, right? And he's just staring at me because he's pissed now, right? And um, he just looks at me. He said, you're dismissed. And so <laughs> I make my little face, right? I take my step back. I make my facey movement, and I walk out of there. My CO was, like, behind me. And uh, we get outside, and he says, he says, I almost pissed my, <laughs> I almost pissed my pants in there. And he, and he looked at me. He goes, nice job. And I said, I, I said, hey, sir, the Marines are good. They know what they're supposed to do, and I know what I'm supposed to do. And um, and and so the other, the other, I mean, that's but that's in 1987. Don Baird, as a captain in the Navy, how many years he's been in, right? So that's a colonel in the Marine Corps, 20 years at that point. So 1987, he comes in in 1967 or before that, um, if it's longer. So he comes in between probably 61 and, and 67 somewhere. I mean, that's the World War II Navy. People that were leading the Navy then were World War II sailors. That was a hard-ass Navy. That was a hard-ass Navy. And um, and they got raised by those guys. The guy who was the first lieutenant on the Ranger was a guy named Mike Connors. Michael Connor. And not O'Connor, but Michael Connor. And let me just tell you, man, that guy knew everything about the ship and the rules that apply to it. And it didn't matter if we were doing underway replenishment. It didn't matter if we were doing refueling. It didn't matter if we were doing, you know, what were called proloads, which would be practice uh, loading of nuclear weapons on aircraft. Mike Connor knew every rule that went with it, how the weapons were supposed to move, which elevators they were allowed to come up. If they didn't come up this elevator and then went up that elevator, what conditions had to be set, blah, blah. I mean, they knew that shit. And the findings of fact, uh, one of the things they reveal is just the incompetence of the people that are involved. That's not the American Navy anymore. And I don't know how it gets back there. Because there's a lot of emphasis on a lot of other shit in the Navy right now, which seems to be a whole lot more important than, than ship, ship driving and ship crewing, ship navigating, and operation. So, um, so anyway, to that end, um, we will uh, either Monday or Tuesday uh, uh, create a show that goes through the findings of fact. And, and I'm going to tell you, stand by to, to be nauseated.
stand by to be nauseated. And and then I'll let my friends give their opinions. I, I don't understand, you know, the Navy that I was around was a tough place. And it was it was a tough place when there was a one-question court-martial. Were you in charge on this day? And if you answered affirmatively, yes, I was, thank you very much. We're done with you, right? The ship failed, right? You That means you failed as a CO. That was in the Navy. I don't, for the life of me, sitting here this morning, given just our discussion this morning, I, I don't know how do you, how that guy does not pay, right? Does not pay with the same the same consequences that happened to marine officers that were in charge. The Navy, again, I don't know how you operate a Navy, right, when you understand things like this. And so, anyway, um, good morning to you. It is Friday. Whitney Houston sings the national anthem. Good morning. You know, I went to sea with the United States Navy uh, for two years, and um, this is dedicated to them. Um, the nation needs a, a great navy, not a good navy, right? Not a not a navy that's um, more concerned with with social issues than it is operational issues. And this is dedicated to the thought that that at some point leaders get really difficult on operations, and you know, this investigation I saw. Doesn't hold people accountable, right? Now we have a, a an American submarine that drove into something underwater. 
with the with the most advanced sonar arrays in the world. I'm not sure how that happens. I'm not sure how that gets explained away, but this is the hope that that the Navy, you know, finds what it needs to find, right? To get tougher to hold people accountable who will do their jobs, so we don't have to do this kind of stupid shit. <laughs> betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well i'm very confident that thank you very much if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech but I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds to win. You gotta win. Well, there's an interesting thought, right? We gotta win? Hmm. Hmm. Interesting, right? Is that even a thing? You know, somebody told me something yesterday in this whole discussion of equity. Equity means I have a right to a share of this, right? And I thought that the American dream was you have the opportunity to go earn a share of it. That's probably a passe thought, right? Applied to the American military, you have the responsibility to go out and prove to the people that you lead on a daily basis that you're worthy of that. And you have to prove it every day, and you got to be up to it, to it. Maybe now that the one question court martial's gone away in the Navy, 
right? Maybe we're all going to find a way to understand everything that happens out there. That it's really nobody's fault. Shit just happens, right? Yeah, well, fuck that. Currently in Quantico, it's sunny in 73. Down the coast at uh, Marine Corps Air Station, Cherry Point, it is cloudy in 75. 29 Palms reports rain in 70. Camp Pendleton, clouds in 62. Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark cloudy 73. On Okinawa, dark cloudy in 80. In the Philippines, dark cloudy at 83. And in Darwin, dark cloudy 82. Currently at the home of All Marine Radio, it is uh, raining. Light rain at 63. Looking for a high today of 69 degrees with rain. 71 tomorrow. 77 on Sunday. 71 on Monday. 72 on Tuesday. That is a uh, look at your uh, weather this morning. We'll check the news on this Friday. Big baseball day today, I have to tell you. If you're a baseball fan, today's one of the, right? Today is one of the great days of the year because it's playoff baseball is in the air. Yeah. Playoff baseball is in the air, and it's in the air virtually all day. So, in case you're a baseball fan, let me just remind you of when games are going on today, in case you don't know. Um, at 11 o'clock, the White Sox take on Houston. Houston up one nothing in that series. They laid the wood to the White Sox, who, who have a pretty good team, and people like them. They just don't seem to be able to get it done in the playoffs. At one thirty-seven, that first game is on the major, the MLB network. Right, the next game at one thirty-seven Pacific time, that would be four thirty-seven Eastern time, is on TBS, and that is the Atlanta Braves and the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, interestingly enough, the Milwaukee Brewers are one of the teams that uh, the Milwaukee team became the Atlanta Braves, right? And so they share a common heritage. So, um, and then at 7.02 Eastern time, 4.02 Pacific time, the Red Sox, who got beat pretty good last night by Tampa, who I think will win the World Series. That's my take on it. Um, The Tampa Bay Rays, they will play again. So then, yeah, this is why this is so spectacular. At 9.37 Eastern time, the Dodgers and the Giants play for the first time in the history of Major League Baseball playoffs. Now, they they played a play-in game years ago when Bobby Thompson hit a big home run, but this is them meeting in the playoffs. And since they've always been in the first, uh, the same division, they've never, ever, you know, played like this. So it's going to be awesome, man. The hate between the Giants and the Dodgers is makes it a quality event. Trust me. Yeah. The hate goes back a long time. So, uh, so that going on. Yeah, so if you're a baseball fan, come on. Um, Top headline in Stars and Stripes. Uh, More undersea activity in the South China Sea increases risks, experts say, after submarine crash. The USS Connecticut, a Seawolf-class fast attack submarine, 
was damaged October 2nd when it collided with something while submerged in international waters in the region, the Navy said on Thursday. Hmm. Now, here's the question. Is this something the Chinese did? Do they have some kind of sea drone designed to be used against, to track and then be used against American attack submarines? Or did they just, due to incompetence, collide with something? The statement, which does not describe the object that was struck, said several sailors suffered non-life-threatening injuries. Excuse me, I had to sneeze. A spokesman for the Hawaii-based Pacific Fleet, contacted by Stars and Stripes on Thursday, would not say where the collision occurred. However, an unnamed defense official told U.S. Naval Institute News it was in the South China Sea. Many Chinese submarines operate in the region, although they are less capable than the nuclear-powered U.S. vessels, according to Ian Chong, an associate professor of political science at National University in Singapore. Beijing has at least 57 diesel-electric submarines and five nuclear attack versions, according to a 2015 report by the Office of Naval Intelligence. A sub-on-sub collision is among many hazards in the South China Sea that includes submerged equipment, fishing nets, and surface ships, Chong said by telephone on Friday. There is any number of things that could be it could be colliding with. The lack of major damage suggests that Connecticut wasn't likely moving fast when the accident happened, according to Chong. Quote, submarines are being asked to perform fairly risky kinds of operations anyway, he said. In the South China Sea, we're talking about much more shallow waters. The risks are higher than they are in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Chong goes on to say, quote, it could be that the Connecticut was doing some seafloor mapping or surveillance, he wrote. The fact that it did not pick up the underwater object with its sensors indicate they they could have been jammed, and it was running slow but blind at the time. Hmm. All right. So that's the top story in Stars and Stripes. The second story um, is, uh, according to a Taliban official, at least interesting, right, that they're still referred to as, a, as the Taliban and not Afghan. At least 100 are dead and wounded in an Afghanistan mosque bombing that took place in northern Afghanistan. And uh, the other story that you're, you've seen a lot in, uh, in, the, in the news in the last 24 hours, Taiwan's defense minister warns that China is on a track for an invasion by 2025. The story, though, that you've seen in the last 24 hours is that American military um, trainers have been working with the Taiwanese military for the last 12 months. So that is in the news. Top story in the Wall Street Journal is about um, U.S. job growth. U.S. job growth falls to the slowest pace of the year. 
The U.S. economy added jobs at the weakest pace of 2021 in September, with payrolls rising by less than expected 194,000 jobs as the Delta variant and persistent shortages of workers restrain the ability of companies to hire. Um, There's a couple other stories in here that are of note. Uh, The Senate clears a path to raise the debt limit. Um, however, Grand grew and grew despite years of red flags. So Chinese real estate developer, right, is slowly but surely tumbling to the ground and bringing a lot of other um, businesses with it. So that is in the news. Um, also in the news is Elon Musk is moving Tesla's headquarters from California to Texas, saying that you can only grow so much in California. Uh, so that is in the news. Uh, top story in the New York Times, where I now have a digital subscription. That's why you're hearing this. What? I know. I can't remember why I had to read. There was an article in the New York Times, so I'm going to share the misery with you. Uh, U.S. hiring was weak in September as Delta takes its toll. And also a story about uh, the Nobel Peace Prize go to, goes to two journalists for protecting freedom of expression. So that in the news. Uh, top story in USNI news is uh, there's a report on great power competition. That's in the news. There's also an interview by Sam Legrone, the U- United Kingdom's Royal Navy's first lord of the sea, right? First lord of the admiralty, I think they call it. Talks uh, Australia, the United Kingdom, and the United States carriers in the Pacific. So that going on. And the this, this story is um, the updated version of the story that broke the news about a collision, right? Quote from the statement, the submarine remains in safe and stable condition. The USS Connecticut's nuclear propulsion plant and spaces were not affected and remain fully operational. The the amplifying information is this. 11 sailors were hurt in the accident with moderate to minor injuries. The attack boat is now headed to Guam and is expected to pull in within the next day, officials said. The underwater strike occurred in the South China Sea and the attack boat had been making its way to Guam on the surface since Saturday, a defense official confirmed to USNI News. The last known instance where a submerged U.S. submarine struck another underwater object was in 2005. Then the USS San Francisco struck an underwater mountain at full speed near Guam. One sailor died in the accident. The Seawolf Fast Attack Club submarine Connecticut struck an object while submerged on the afternoon of October 2nd while operating in international waters in the Indo-Pacific region. The safety of the crew remains the Navy's top priority. There were no life-threatening injuries. That obviously is a statement of the United States Navy. So anyway, some more details on that. Top story in Marine Corps Times, right, continues to be, right, um, working the Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller story, for all the clicks that it can get them, right? 
and I would tell you there are substantial stories uh, from the investigations that get like a, a sidebar placing on Marine Corps Times. Don't really understand that. Well, I, I do understand it. It's about clicks, okay? Not about journalism. Um, next, uh, top five stories in early bird today. Number one, U.S. troops have been deployed to Taiwan for at least a year. Now, I don't know who said this on the show, but somebody said this on the program. I'm not sure if it was Grant or somebody else. A U.S. Special Operations Unit and a contingent of Marines have been secretly operating in Taiwan to train military forces there, U.S. officials said, part of efforts to shore up the island's defenses as concerning a potential Chinese aggressive movement. About two dozen members of U.S. Special Operations and support troops are conducting training for small units of Taiwan's ground forces, an official said, the official said. The U.S. Marines are working with local maritime forces on small boat training. The American forces have been operating in Taiwan for at least a year. That article comes out of the Wall Street Journal, written by Gordon Lubald, Lubold, who's a, uh, who's a name that you would recognize in the Wall Street Journal. So that is in the news. That's the top story in uh, the early bird. Number two, U.S. charges ex-Taliban commander in the killing of three soldiers in a 2008 attack. So this is a New York Times story. The man, Haji Najibullah, was charged last year with kidnapping, kidnapping an American journalist and two Afghan nationals months after the deadly assault. Goes in to talk about in June of 2008, three U.S. soldiers and an Afghan interpreter were ambushed and killed when their Humvee was hit. And this guy will be charged with that. Um, number three, 11 sailors injured after the USS Connecticut, a fast attack nuclear submarine, struck an object underwater earlier this month. Uh, number four, the feds threatened big fines against for-profit schools that dupe troops and veterans. written by Leo Shane. The Federal Trade Commission officials are vowing to crack down on shady recruiting tactics used by on-service members and veterans by for-profit colleges with harsh new financial penalties for offenders. On Wednesday, the commission sent notices to 70 of the largest for-profit colleges, alerting them of potential fines of more than $43,000 per offense for unfair and misleading recruiting tactics. Officials said the move comes in response to a 70% increase in the complaints around education and recruiting issues between 2018 and 2020. There is great competition for um, for the dollars that come from that are associated with the GI Bill. Yeah, and uh, a lot of statements gets made get made in order to woo um, American service members to come. Sp- come spend that guaranteed money, right, at XYZ online university, right? Promise them anything, right? Promise them anything in order to get that guaranteed money.
All right. Um, next story. Two-thirds of military teens want to follow their parents' footsteps, but these kids are not okay. What does that mean? Two-thirds of military teens say they plan to serve in the military in the future, according to the results of an online survey being released today. The finding was surprising to the military teens and family advocates alike who worked together to compose the survey and field it online for two weeks in May. Some 2,116 military teens ages 13 to 19 participated in the survey, which provides a rare recent window into the experiences of military teens. While the number of those who want to follow the family tradition of serving may be a good sign, there were also troubling signs. The kids are not okay, wrote the researchers in a survey conducted by Bloom, empowering the military teen and the National Military Family Association. Among other things, 42% of the teen, teens showed sign of emotional, signs of emotional distress. One-third of teens experienced food insecurity, and 11% experienced domestic abuse or violence in their own homes. Now, all right, so compare that with... Um, a University of Rochester uh, report uh, study that I use in post-traumatic winning, which says this, 43% of people in the military, right, said that there was emotional abuse in their home. And this is a survey of the all-volunteer force, I want to say between 2010, 2012, done by the University of Rochester in New York, their Department of Psychiatry. So, that would track parallel to that. That 42% showing emotional distress, is that higher or average than the national norm? So without some kind of statistic, I don't know. 11% experienced domestic abuse. The number in the survey, I want to say, is either, I think it's 34% said alcohol was abused in their home and 27%... 27% said that they experienced domestic violence in their own home, right? So this would be significantly less than half of that number. So again, without um, without any elaborating data, right? Here's one thing I, w- I, w- I will tell you that comes up in, in post-traumatic winning on a regular basis, and that is this. If I were to look at the, if for instance, Colleen just graduated from high school, right? If I were to look at the way young people get raised, right, and the schooling they go through and the way they're treated and, and whatnot, and I say, okay, based on that, right, I would tell you that this is what the world must look like if that's what you're doing for them, Right? And so what I would tell you is that the world must really, really care about your feelings. Okay? Um, The world is willing to wait for you and for you to be able to, you know, get at the world on your own schedule. Okay? Because the world, you know, is is willing to wait for you. The world is willing to, you know, go at your pace. The problem is that we know it's not, right? Right? 
So it doesn't care about your feelings. It isn't going to wait for you, right? The world doesn't care if you tried hard. The world cares about results. And so so it's it's very interesting when you talk about, you know, and and here's another thing that the the American military is very has become a family business. And my family's indicative of that. Okay? My family is indicative of that. Both my sons have served. Um, we'll see if Colleen goes in. I keep putting on the arm bar hammer lock on her. Um, um, but, yeah. So those numbers only relevant to what? I'm not sure. Okay, I'm not sure. It's also like suicide inside the DOD. When you look at the trend from 1999, when we got down to about 1.4 million people to today, okay, what you see is suicide in the active force is on a pace to triple in the next 24 months relative to 1999. On an annual basis, it goes up and up and up. Now, in the reports, what you say, what you hear is uh, you'll you see a comment relative to what it is, you know, above or below, you know, society. Well, wait a minute. Look at the trend line in the military. Why is it like that? And they tend not to address that, right? So if we decide, if we define the problem a certain way, which is, you know, greater than or less than the, the population, then we can restrict our comments to that kind of stuff. I think it's a PR game that they play. Right, and there was a study just released in um, in the last six months. Came out of Brown University by a guy who's from Boston University, and what the, what the study says is that we've lost seven thousand uh, for in in combat and combat related deaths in Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, Somalia, blah 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 since nine eleven. Right, we have over thirty thousand, four and a half times as much suicide. As we have, um, as we have killed in combat, what in the hell is going on? And clearly, what we're doing is not working. But we 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 don't tell that story ourselves, right? Because it's not a good story. And I will tell you this: thank God that the people that that run all the mental health programs in the military don't get paid um, for what they do. Because if they did, they'd be fired. Nobody would put up with with this system that that doesn't deliver anything and if you look at the trends it's they're long 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 trend lines and i would tell you my experience is you can make a difference but you got to you you know you got to be involved in the truth and you got to have it, you got to make it a tribal event right and and they they in the military anyway they've sought to become part of something greater and so when you send them away, I talk about what made a difference in my life. What made a difference in my life after a helicopter crash, right, and four Marines are killed, is uh, my gunnery sergeant pulling me deeper in the tribe. I didn't get sent away. Now we send them away. That's got to change. So uh, that is a look at your news. Um, Pentagon news. story about senators tear into Pentagon nominee to oversee chaplains as being anti-Christian. 
This is one of the most bizarre stories you'll ever see. Right? Republican senators on Thursday hammered the nominee for a key Pentagon military personnel job, arguing past tweets and statements show she will not be able to respect Christian troops' religious freedom and oversee chaplains. The political fireworks happened as Brenda Sue Fulton, who was tapped by President Biden to be the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Manpower and Reserve Affairs, testified at her confirmation hearing before the Senate Armed Service Committee. Fulton is a West Point graduate who is the first openly gay member of the Academy's Board of Visitors, and she has led several LGBT military groups, including Sparta, which advocates for transgender troops. Pointing to a tweet where Fulton called Republicans right-wing, anti-everyone, nut job, falling in love with a dictatorship, Senator Marsha Blackburn, Republican of Tennessee, pressed Fulton on whether she thinks Christian Republicans reservists and guardsmen are racist and nut jobs. I'm a Christian and no, I don't, Fulton said. I will, as I have throughout my career, work side by side with Republicans and Democrats, blah, 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 blah. Right. Crazy, crazy stuff. Um, Let's see. Anything else I think I should report to you before we get out of here on uh, on a Friday? The answer to that is no. Um, so that'll do it. Um, yeah, on a Monday or Tuesday, we will do a deeper dive uh, on uh, the Navy investigation. And like I said, it's pretty... Um, I'm going to tell you, it's pretty dismal uh, what you're going to hear. Uh, but we're going to take a little bit of time and make sure that we wire some of that stuff together. So um, have a great weekend. I'm Mike, Mac- Mac- I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio. It's good to be back here on a uh, on the first week after um, a long hiatus away from uh, my studio here and away from doing the program. So uh, thanks to everybody who's listening for hanging in there with uh, this program. Certainly appreciate it. And uh, all the emails um, that I got while I was gone, I appreciate that too. So thank you, thank you so much. Um, And uh, on that note, have a great weekend. If you have the time to stick your hand out to somebody who's struggling, don't be afraid to do that. Yep. And all you got to do is ask two questions. Hey, can I talk to you? When they say yes, say, I heard what you were saying. You know there's nothing wrong with you, right? You know that everything you're going through is absolutely normal for what you've been through, right? And that will begin a conversation that will um, maybe change your life. So don't be afraid to do that. It's not hard. And if you get stuck, contact me. I'll help you out. On that note, I'm Mike McMara. This is All Radio. Have a great weekend. I'm out. <laughs>